always get you to the ball game on time. And here's the pitch. It's Matt Wyatt with all the good stuff you need to know. We are live. Welcome in. Welcome in on this Tuesday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance all across the great state of Mississippi. And listen, here in the Bureau, I hung up the Christmas lights, the uh, the Ra- I call them Ralphie lights. They are the old-fashioned, multicolored, large medium to large size incandescent bulbs. They're not some of those these new LED ones that A, they will last longer, B, they look terrible. <laughs> okay, just because the the incandescent Christmas lights are old fashioned doesn't mean they aren't still better. They are. They are still better. Can you tell I'm in a Mayberry mood today to start the show on a Tuesday? Don't get me started on these Christmas lights. Anyway, I did hang them up here uh, in no particular order. They are not symmetrical. They are hung on anything that you can hang a light on. That's the way I like it. Kind of the way Ralphie hung them on his tree, or at least his folks did. That's the ugliest Christmas tree anybody's ever seen, but that's why I call them Ralphie lights. So the Ralphie lights are on. We're in a Mayberry, or I'm in a Mayberry mood today. I don't even, you just got to trust, just go with me. Just go, go with it. And you can be a part of the show, and I really do hope you will be. If you've listened, you can testify. This show's a lot better when y'all are a part of it. When you text and call and comment on the Murray West live thread. Speaking of, hey to you if you're out there in stream land, if you're swimming upstream to this stream, thanks for uh, tuning into the show, however, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. X, whatever it is, uh, feel free to drop a comment that way. You just type it in, hit comment, pops up right here on the column, and I can show it to everybody, and we can talk about it in the live stream. The first one on YouTube was from Bobo that said, Howdy and Hail State here on the Murray West live thread. Contract embroidery company here in Mississippi. That's who you need to go with for, for embroidery right there at Murray West. They're right here at home in New Albany. Look them up online, murraywest.com. Uh, you can be a part of the show by texting the Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing Sausage, on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. It is the best. I opened up. I did what I said I was going to do. I opened up that package of original smoked sausage. Dove into that. Also, if you're in the live stream, see my hat? Look at my new Country Pleasing hat. Old-fashioned camo pattern. You know, that was your great-great-uncle's camo pattern on his hat. It was, he wasn't camouflaged for nothing. But he thought he was. <laughs> it's, it, but it just looks good. It looks cool. And it's got that leather patch on the front. It says Country Pleasing with the hog on it there. Yep, got me one of these recently at Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. Drop a text in there. You can do it. Uh, Nick is the first to text the show today, and he said, When I hear Ralphie lights, he says, It ain't the tree that I think about. <laughs> what is it, the leg lamp? That's what you think about, the leg lamp? It's a major award. Fragile. <laughs> uh, yeah, so text me. The number to text, 885-3776. 601 number. 885-3776. Another way to remember the text line is uh, 885-ESPN. 
And so that'll get you in here on the text line. I've got no excuse today. I do have some energy. I'm in a Mayberry mood. It means I'm happy. It means I'm peaceful and happy. And part of the reason I got hot coffee in my mug from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. Hot coffee. Let me give you an example. Ah, man. And not only do I have hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, I think sometimes I don't say it clear enough. Listen, sure enough, because somebody messaged me a couple days ago and said, hey, tell me again where I can get the coffee. Go to highpointroasters.com. That's their website. They they roast the coffee here in New Albany, Mississippi. Highpointroasters.com. You can order it. One big old one-pound bags. You look at the price, and you may think it's more expensive, but it's big, huge one-pound bags. You're not going to run out soon. And you can either get it ground or you can get whole bean. But they go there. I also have these, and I've been eating on these today. Chocolate-covered espresso beans. I got a quarter-pound bag of those. They come. They're these little things. They come in all different. They got dark chocolate, milk chocolate, white chocolate. They got speckled. <laughs> Uh, mixed. Looks like a bird egg. Anyhow, and it's got a little espresso bean in there. You eat three or four of those and and uh, your eyebrows raise, man. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, also, hey, don't forget, call me. I've got the phone lines open today as we get started on this Tuesday. The number to call, 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. Give me a shout on the Divini phone. Divini Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, you're... Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact, means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else right here at home at Divinity. So call, text, comment. Let me say something to you. Listen. Three important things that I will cover with you in the first hour today, including a feel-good story that is from my own personal life, somebody that I know, That doesn't have a whole lot to do with sports, but it is even more important than that. First, though, okay, we're going to cover this. We're going to cover the new model for college football that has been proposed today by Charlie Baker of the NCAA. Don't go to sleep yet. I'm not going to bore you with it. I'm going to give you some details, and it's actually something that you, logical thinking Everyday Americans who are balancing your family budget and paying your bills and going to work, y'all thought of this two years ago. Y'all all said it two years ago. And here we are two years later, they've finally come around and going, hey, it's a good idea. And they've proposed it today. All right? Trust me on that. Two. We had all this talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, the college football playoff. Four teams, Florida State left out. We must. It is our duty as college football fans, to go back and rehash what Mike Leach said about the four-team college football playoff no less than five years ago. And he, much like you were right about what they should do two years ago, he was right about it five years ago. So we're going to go back over that. And then finally, the most important thing we're going to do today on the show, this will be towards the end of the hour here, I'm going to give to you a cornbread recipe that is some of the best cornbread I have ever put in my mouth. It is that good. I am not exaggerating. This is not sponsored. It's not. 
a young lady who is my daughter's age, who we go to church with in Tupelo, Mississippi, finished in the top 10 in the country at a national cornbread festival with this recipe. And I, I ate some of it. And I interviewed her, and she's going to tell you about the experience, tell you how she came up with the recipe, and then I'm going to give you the recipe. That's coming up. Yes. See? And that's the reaction I've got. Legba says on YouTube, on the Murray West live thread, as soon as I mentioned it, he says, cornbread recipe? I'm listening. See? So I'm telling you. There's no question. Cornbread is important. It's more important than sports. <laughs> Especially when it's this good. Cornbread recipe that I'm telling you, I'm gonna, you're going to hear her talk about it, this young lady. She's 12 years old. You're going to hear her experience of finishing the top 10 at the National Cornbread Festival. And then she's given me the recipe to give to you, and you're going to want to go try it. That's coming up. Now, if that ain't a tease, I don't know what is. All right, over into Sportsland, where we'll start off with, on the Divini Equipment phone line, Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact. It means they've been doing it better Longer than anyone else right here at home at Divinity. On line one, Chris from Macon, Mississippi. What's up, Chris? How you doing, Matt? Great. Good to hear from you. Back to the old days, huh, where I'm the first one to call you every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Let me, um, I, wanna, I wanted to, I, I even, you know what, I really don't even want to hit on the, the playoffs. Cause okay. I, let's no just problem. say that when Alabama got in, when Alabama got in, I wasn't surprised. So let's just say that all i'll say about that and man matt what in the world happened sunday yeah the basketball did, did you watch chiefs lose oh yeah they did they lost on uh what monday night i guess and then, no 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 it was sunday no, night last that yeah. was sunday night yeah and then and then the eagles just got stomped. i know it like i mean is that not the biggest revelation of what's going on this year in football is well that, I know. And see, look. The 49ers just look like the 49ers just look like what we all thought they were going to be with all them weapons that they have. Well, and they went and got Chase Young and, get, and added him on their defensive line, and that was after yeah, but, they demolished the Cowboys. But see, when they beat the Cowboys by 30 points or whatever it was or more than that out in San Francisco, it's early in the year. It's, it's a 49ers home game. This was – this is in Philadelphia. They went and beat – them as bad as they beat the Cowboys at home. I couldn't believe it, honestly. Well, I, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but, I mean. How'd you know that was going to happen? How'd you know they were going to beat the Eagles that bad? Because the Eagles have been living on borrowed time. And and I just, I've been saying all year since Jalen Hurts has been coming in and out, being played, being played so hard yeah. and been hurt so much. Yeah. I was surprised to see him come back. That was the biggest thing. I'm like, why would you even come back? Like you're getting beat by thirty. Why would you even come back on the field? Yeah, okay. That ain't there's no sense in that. Like to me that was reckless with your with your best player. And that security guard Oh man, man. I'm gonna Bless tell you what, heart. that that was ridiculous. That yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. You should you if you wanna be on the sidelines, yeah, you should not be doing that. And they should have kicked the coach out for that because this is hey, this yeah. is your man. He shouldn't be touching them players. No, he shouldn't be doing regardless that. Regardless of what's going on, you shouldn't put yourself in that position. Well, you, you do it. Control your you, people better. You do it to the wrong 
guy at the wrong time, it's going to end up really bad for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it is. But hey, one last thing I was going to ask you. I'm, I'm hearing some really weird names and some really strange names. I know you probably don't want to do this. Can you go over the people I, that are that are from Mississippi State that are transferring out? Oh, that are. I, that I, are I want to hear it from. Yeah, let's see. yeah, yeah. Okay, so state players that are getting out is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Let I mean, I know Will Rogers is leaving, and I kind of figured that that was going to happen. But I don't, I don't. The ones that are coming in, we'll hear a lot about them later. I just was wondering because I, I heard Tulu Griffin was leaving, but I mean, I won't believe it till he leaves because he did that last year. And I mean, yeah. I don't know unless he's going to Alabama or something. I don't well, understand and you why know, some some guys change their mind. Uh, I mean, they they do. Okay, yeah. let me let me t- let me tell you what I got here. All right, this is according to twenty four seven Sports. Okay, um, according to twenty four seven Sports, starting in mid November, so not quite a full month ago for this cycle. Simeon Price, Sims Price, the running backs going. Jacoby Belazar, wide re- uh, slot receiver. Uh, Nakai Poole, receiver. Will James, safety. Of course, Will Rogers. Uh, Goaty, the tight end's in the portal again. LaSoya, offensive lineman. You know, he transferred to state from Middle Tennessee, played two years, I think, here, and now he's gone. And then uh, a kicker named Carson Allen. But that's all that's listed right now. Now, you, what no, you. Goaty was only here this last year. He didn't that's play right. two years. He's no, no, I was talking about. I was talking about. Um, oh, okay. I was talking about LaSoya. LaSoya? Yeah, he played at I, least two I heard years. He was, well, well, what you um, Steve said last night on his podcast that he or Monday when he put out his podcast that he thinks there's a great chance that Lasoya's going to come back. Now. Okay, okay, hey, and that's so, that happens. But, They'll mean, get in the portal. Some of them will get in the portal yeah. and come back. And then you've got several. Okay, and Joseph is bringing this up. This was my impression too, and he's bringing this up on the Murray West live thread on Facebook. He said Tulu is declaring for the draft, and that's what I thought I saw. On social oh, media, okay. as he said he's going in the draft, and then um, what you got? Uh, Buki and Jet are both moving on, trying yeah. to go to the NFL. Uh, Marcus Banks is moving on, trying to go to the NFL. But it, but as far as guys I, in I, the portal, that's it right now. I'm gonna say this: I've heard some chatter through the um, through the through the NFL scene and through what I listened to on the Cowboys that Buki Watson's actually slotted to be. Close to the bottom of the first round, he is the. And if that's the case, if that's the case, guess what? Yeah, y'all maybe he may be going to my Cowboys, which would be great because we need some linebackers. But yeah, well, and you know, I hope he does. Well, and and their short one, Vander Esch, he's probably done for his career. I mean, yeah, he's probably not coming back. And y'all need y'all need um. Y'all need y'all need to pick up Tulu because it looks like y'all need some wide receiver help. Yeah, they they need some help. I mean, help. y'all's wide receivers look. I, I mean, it's Kelsey and who? <laughs> exactly, and Kelsey's just kind of been running around on one leg most of the year, whether anybody talks about it or not. But but you know that's what happens when you have a quarterback who eats up all your money. You know, and I that's one thing too. We'll talk about it as we get down the road, Chris. But you know, Dak is up for a new you know, extension, whatever you want to call it, coming up this year, after this year with the Cowboys. And if he's smart, I say if he's smart, if his agents are smart, if they handle it right, 
he needs to look really closely at what Brady always did with the Patriots, and that is figure out ways to help the team get players now with the with some assurances that you'll get your money kind of on the back end of it as opposed to getting it all now and hindering the team's ability to go out here and put a team around you. People can say what they want about Brady, but he would always – and he he copied what Peyton Manning did all those years. He would always force his agents to do deals that were team-friendly that now immediately gave them more ability now to put a team around him. And he would renegotiate it and renegotiate it, it seemed like, every year. And it's time for Dak to start doing that, you know, and, and let's about, see how this year goes. How about this? How about this? Extremely plugged-in Cowboy fan that listens to everything. That's already in the works. Yeah. Like, they don't even have to wait till the end of the year, and they're already talking about the extension, and they're already talking about that it's going to be two, three years. And Dak just told them that he wanted to do it, but he wanted to wait till after the Super Bowl because he wanted to do nothing but concentrate on winning the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And, hey – after Sunday, we may be in first place in the East, and who thought that was going to happen? Could be. So. And, you know, again, the 49ers hanging out there, who they look so much better than everybody else. So, you know, we'll see. I'll tell you what, I, if they beat Seattle like that next week, I mean, I know they've already done it once, Yeah. but now they've woke up. Now Seattle's woke up. Yeah. And if they play, if they beat Seattle like that this weekend, I, I'll just, I mean, I'm going to yeah. say it's going to be the 49ers and everybody else and see yeah. who who can actually get lucky. Appreciate you, Chris. Or if they stay healthy or not. Have a good have a good day. You too, Appreciate man. It. Appreciate the call. Call me anytime. Over to line two, where our good friend Mad Tiger is hanging on line two. Mad Tiger, thanks for calling back today. Sorry I missed you yesterday. What's up? Hey, Matt. I, <clears throat> good to hear your voice, man. You too. Good to hear yours. Got a question for you. Okay. In high school and college, if your knee is down, you're down. But I never see the officials call a late hit when they dive on them. Mm. I don't understand that. Okay, so you're saying saying the runner's down because his knee hits the ground or something, but then then there's contact after that and they're not calling it, is what you're saying. Right. Okay. Yeah. They never call it. You know, there's like this distinction. I think what's happening is, like if it's a quarterback, but really if it's anybody, particularly quarterbacks who they've got the whole slide thing in there for quarterbacks. And right. it's it's like if they're going in feet first or knee first, you really can't hit them, and people are supposed to hold up. But the inverse of that is quarterback or anybody carrying the ball going in head first, they're fair game. And I think officials, they're, you know, this is what they would tell you. They're trying to decide, is this a play where they're going after a ball carrier? Do they even have the ability to hold up and not hit them? And the ones, okay. that, the ones that I've seen them flag it is when, yeah, they hit them like right after they've hit the ground, but they go in their head first, and they'll, they'll maybe flag that one. But it's hard to do it. When you add a rule that says, okay, if they're going feet first sliding, then it's personal foul. If you basically, if you can touch the guy, you know, I'm not taking up for the officials, but it's, um, and really and truly, I guess across college football, you don't have, you don't have great officiating. You know, it's not, you have much better officiating in the NFL.
What do you think? Mad Tiger, what do you think? I, oh, I just I just think if his knee's down, he's not fair game. You know, and I understand if he's already committed to make the tackle, yeah. you know, before his knee hits. But I see it regularly. Their knees down and they dive on them, you know, whether it be a fumble or whatever. I just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Those bang, bang plays. And then TV, right. and then TV slows it down for us and it looks a little different too than it does to them in real time. That's correct. That's for sure. Correct. For sure. Hey, well, I appreciate well, I the phone appreciate call. You for taking my call man. Yes, sir. Call All me right. anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. What do we have on the country pleasing text line? Scott said, I love some Mayberry and I love old school colored lights. Hotty tie. <laughs> well, you two out of three. I'm kidding, Scott. And I like Mayberry also. Yeah. And the Ralphie light. I call them Ralphie lights. Old school incandescent light bulbs. I, I kind of like the multicolored. Annabeth and I differ on that. She likes the, what it was, warm not not clear but the warm color like what do they call it soft warm incandescent light bulbs that's what she wants i kind of like the multicolored ones the led ones though like a lot of places that's all they're selling now it's hard to buy the old ones in some places unless you look real hard all right just getting started with y'all here on this tuesday in the bureau the farm bureau insurance studio off to a good start a bunch of phone calls comments and otherwise we'll hit a bunch of those texts and comments coming up Right after this, I'm Matt. Stick around. From the amazing hits. That one is huge. To all the amazing plays. Matt Wyatt has got it all for you. Just listen to that. I am not sure anything sounds better to me right now than award-winning cornbread. All right, that's coming up. That's coming up. Somebody I know. I'm going to introduce you to a young lady that I go to church with in Tupelo. And uh, she finished in the top ten at the National Cornbread Festival. They held it in Tennessee. Sponsored by a bunch of folks like uh, Lodge Cast Iron Skillets. And folks like that's the real deal now, and I've had some of it's the best. It's some of the best cornbread I've ever tasted. And not only are you going to hear from her, uh, sort of the story and the backstory, but I have the recipe, and I'm told I can give it to you. So that's all coming up. Looking forward to that. I'm Matt in the bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance all across the state of Mississippi. All right, so uh, over to the text line, the country-pleasing text line. Joe Mailman said, oh, yeah, uh, he said his, his either grandfather or great-uncle was camo with that old pattern. That right there, the old-fashioned camo pattern from, like, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Before Mossy Oak and everybody, one of the cool hats you can get at Country Meat Packers, Country-pleasing sausage. Um, <clears throat> official, let's see, Jason in Flagstaff. Says uh, that's pretty camouflage. All you need is to, oh no, he says plenty camouflage. All you need is to break up your silhouette. 
He says, anything over that is really good marketing. <laughs> Thanks, Jason, for the heads. And you would know. He's a military guy. Uh, okay, yeah, and somebody reminded us, Tulu, saying he's entering the draft. Uh, so that's why his name doesn't appear in the portal, because I guess technically he's not in there. Um, Steven texts and asked uh, Matt, have you heard anything on defensive coordinator possibilities at State? It seems like we need to get someone hired ASAP. Um, yeah, as far as possibilities, I'm kind of like you. Um, you know, names that you've heard are probably names that I've heard. And like uh, DJ Durkin, Jeff Collins, I was really intrigued by Jeff, you know, and I, I hadn't, like, tried to reach out to him or anything, respect and privacy or whatever. Maybe I should do that. But um, I would be really excited about that. I just don't know. I Part of me thinks, well, it seems like it's been a while, okay, because and, and if you believe, well, it's been a little while or longer than it should be, then you might think somebody's turned you down at some point and then you're moving through your list. But I don't know any of that. That's just kind of, you know, you and I doing the best we can to read the tea leaves. Regarding Christmas lights, Rhino says you should have white lights inside, colored lights outside. See, I like these multicolored lights. I put them in my office. Homecoming Queen won't let me put them on the tree, but I, I'll hang them in here. <laughs> um, yeah, regarding what uh, Mad Tiger was calling in about quarterbacks and others getting hit after the knees down, Nick says, in last night's game, Cincinnati quarterback was scrambling. Jaguars linebacker led up to avoid the penalty, thinking he was going to slide. The guy winds up getting 21 yards, and they kick the game-winning field goal. The rule needs to change. And, you know, Nick, last year in college football, it was either last year or year before. might have been two years ago. I remember, I think it was Kenny Pickett when he was playing at Pitt, had the deal where he's running in the open field and then leans back like he's going to slide, and everybody stopped and let him go. And then he stayed up and kept going. And they didn't. And they were like, oh, he took advantage of the rule and kind of faked him out, made it look like he was going to slide. Because they're worried if he does slide and you hit him, 15 yards, personal foul, you get one more – Personal failure out of the game. Yep, that's right. Yeah, Robert knows about it. Check this out on the Murray West live thread on YouTube. He says, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. That's Pittsburgh with no H. South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, last weekend in April, every year is a cornbread festival. Um, that's right. And you're he, he also brought up another point. He is right about this. He says, regarding Mississippi State, he says, we have been blessed with great linebackers over the years. He says Daniel Boyd was his favorite. Of course, we had Baron Simpson, who was a t I got to be a teammate of his during our time at State. Baron's a great person and great player. Played in the CFL. He was a defensive player of the year up there. And you're right. State's always had really good and guys like Mario Hagan and others over the years. And Hagan was – one of those, he could do, he could line up defensive end, pass rush, or play middle linebacker. He could do it all. Uh, but you're right. State's been really blessed uh, with linebackers over the years for sure. Hey, listen, before I go too much further, let me, um, let me get this story in your face and in your lap. And then you can do with it what you want. It is significant, though, okay? Just because if there is even a small chance... 
let alone a 50-50 chance, let alone a more than 50% chance. But even if there's a small chance that something like this could happen for your team that you're following, an SEC team or whatever, it's very significant. And so I want to make sure that we cover it today. So, And we're just getting started. we got plenty of time. I mean, food is most important, like cornbread and a special cornbread recipe and a feel-good story like that. That's more important. But, but this is kind of important, too. Charlie Baker, NCAA president, new one. Uh, this is his first year as the NCAA president. He is proposing that a certain group of FBS schools, football bowl subdivision schools, have the ability to not break away completely, but to group up themselves Make some own, make some rules for their, themselves. Make their own rules for themselves, including instead of relying on third-party collectives to funnel money to the players as a way to pay them, setting up a structure where these schools can be a part of that group if they set up a fund, a trust fund that is available to these folks at some point upon graduation. Now, does that sound familiar? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, because for years, <laughs> I mean, even five years ago, I remember, like on this show, we were going, hey, what if there was, you know, if you're going to pay them, what if there was money available to them if they were in good, good standing and graduated on time and weren't suspended and they had good grades, they finished their career, and then boom, now the money's yours. This is basically... A, a, a version of that. We were talking about it a long time ago, but here it is. The This is the NCAA president himself who is proposing this, has sent out the letters to the schools and says, we need to consider doing this. That's why it's significant, is because if there is even a chance that this could go through, it could work, number one, but number two, it almost eliminates collectives. Here, here's a few things. So just hang in there. Let me give you the info, and then we're going to move on. These changes he's proposing. Creating a subdivision of Division One, okay, the top level, that affords that subdivision of schools the freedom to make their own policies, gives them the ability to compensate athletes in innovative and consequential ways. His quote was, it's time for us to offer our own forward-looking framework. That's Charlie Baker, NCAA president. Within the framework of Title IX, in other words, what he's proposing would satisfy Title IX, would almost shield these schools who are floating all this money to their, to their football team. It would almost shield them and protect them and, and put it above board where it would protect them a little bit from Title IX lawsuits. Within the framework of Title IX, if you don't know what that is, you're just going to have to read about it. This is a plan for the investment of at least $30,000 per year into an enhanced educational trust fund for at least half of that school's eligible student-athletes. When you say at least half, well, who is it? I, you know, half of their athletes, who is it? <clears throat> schools could work with others within that subdivision to make their own rules, that may differ from the rules that are in place for the rest of Division One. So, 
let me let me decipher that for you. He's proposing something that would give the SECs of the world. They've all got plenty of money to put in trust fund for at least half their athletes. And they would be doing this and make their own rules that might be different from what Southern Miss, what their rules are. That's what the NCAA president is proposing here. Those rules for that subdivision that can do their own thing because they got money could include a wide range of policies such as scholarship commitment, roster size, recruitment rules, transfer rules, or name, image, and likeness rules. Also, this plan that he's putting forward would allow any Division I school to enter into NIL licensing opportunities with their athletes. That's for everybody, including Southern Miss. The, it would allow the schools to do it themselves. That's what I'm saying. Whereas right now, everybody's using a collective. What he's proposing is get rid of the collectives. Do it in-house. It's, it's pretty incredible what he proposed. So we'll come back to that a little bit later. Now, stop right there, and I propose that you stick around because coming up next... A young lady that we know, friends with my daughter, Mary Lady, we go to church uh, with them. She's 12 years old. She finished in the top 10 at the National Cornbread Festival with her own recipe. I've tried it. It's some of the best I've ever had. You're going to hear some of the backstory from her, and then she's giving me the recipe to give to you. If you love cornbread, stick around. Whether it's about winning the game or even losing the game, you're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now. I agree, J-Rock. A text from J-Rock on the country-pleasing text line, country-pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. He says... Hey, Matt, good cornbread, unlike sports, won't let you down. It won't break your heart. And it will not enter the transfer portal. <laughs> and there's a text of the day right there from J-Rock. says, uh, gave us a happy Tuesday. Uh, Joe Mailman just texted the show as well on the Country Pleasing text line and said, uh, Matt, when you give the cornbread recipe, go slow. I'll be writing as fast as I can. I'm telling you, it warms my heart when I find somebody that likes the Andy Griffith show as much as I do. And it warms my heart when I find people that like cornbread as much as I do. And, you know, it turns out just about everybody does. So I said I'm in a uh, Mayberry mood earlier today. And so let's continue. Let's continue that. I'm in a cornbread mood, more importantly. Okay, this is a really neat story. This young lady's name is Olivia Hope Chambers. Uh, she and her family, they go to, we get to go to church together in Tupelo, and our Olivia's friends with Mary Liddy, and Annabeth's friends with Olivia's mom, Ann, and we've gotten to know each other. And when I found out that Olivia, she doesn't just make good cornbread, she makes 
some of the best in the country. <laughs> and earlier this year at the National Cornbread Festival in Tennessee, um, she finished in the top 10, got to go up there. And, and as a part of the cook-off, in her age division, she made the cornbread amongst the other competitors on this stage, and they had ovens and skillets, and I guess, and all this stuff. You're going to hear that while the judges were watching the whole thing. It's a really kind of like a Food Network type of deal almost. Well, I, I got a chance to sit down and talk with Olivia about it. So she's going to kind of, you're going to hear the backstory from 12-year-old Olivia Hope Chambers, top 10 cornbread cook, okay, in her age division. You're going to hear some of the backstory and stick around. She's given me the recipe to give to you. So here's my conversation with Olivia. Describe for me the experience of going to the cornbread competition. Okay, so I saw the notice in the uh, county newsletter about the competition in February, maybe. We looked into it and I started working on the recipe and cooking it, practicing cooking it. And we submitted the recipe and I got chosen as one of the top 10. So we went to Tennessee. Well, we, we practiced cooking it several times, the plating. And we went to Tennessee and we got there the day before. We kind of walked around the festival, just ha had fun, enjoyed it. And then the next day we got all of the ingredients ready in the hotel room out. And then we took them to the contest and got seats and got everything ready to get started. And kind of looked around, saw what we were going to be doing, where we were going to be cooking. And I was in the second half, that, so five of us cooked first, and then the other five of us cooked second. And so I was in the five that cooked second, so I got to see the first five cook before, my, before me, and that was helpful. You, you cooked in the second sort of session at the competition, right? Yes, sir, because there were only five stoves up on the stage. So describe for me, kind of take me into that moment and kind of tell me how you remember it, like being there and you're cooking and how it was all going at that time. I had done it so many times, I pretty much had the recipe memorized, yet I was still scared I was going to forget something. So, of course, I was looking it over, and the judges were up on the stage, kind of above us, but they walked around and talked to us, asked us questions while we were cooking, gave us tips, told us what they liked, how we were, what they, what they liked that we were doing. Then, okay. once we had it out of the oven and on the plate, we just took it up to the table and let them see it and try it. And then they called all of the tin to stand in front of the stage and they gave us all a basket with a skillet in it and some, some things from the Lodge store. It, it was sponsored by, one of the sponsors was Lodge, so they gave out a bunch of, bunch of stuff in the baskets for the top 10. What was it like watching these uh, judges taste and eat the cornbread that you made? What was that like? I think I was trying not to watch, but... <laughs> I knew that I had done it so many times and I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. So I wasn't I wasn't too nervous, but some of the others looked really, really nice. And yeah, it was it was really fun. As far as like where you placed and in what group, like what was the final result? So there was the first, second, third, and I was an honorable mention. Awesome. And that was was that in like in your age group or like Overall, it was fourth through sixth grade for the ten of us. Um, we were fourth through sixth grade. What can you tell me about your recipe of cornbread and like 
Is it a secret? Do you keep it a secret? I do not. <laughs> okay, so what kind of, what's your recipe for cornbread like? So it's spicy and it's not too sweet. I don't like sweet cornbread, but it's got a bunch of peppers and it. it's got jalapenos, orange peppers, red bell peppers, and basil in it. And I think that's the most unique and also honey instead of sugar. My grandmother never made sweet cornbread, so I'm used to eating cornbread that's not sweet. But she would add, I think, about a tablespoon of sugar, maybe. So, see, my final recipe, I've got one tablespoon of honey instead of the sugar. So that was interesting. And then I drizzled honey on the top for the presentation. And there's no egg also. I think that's wow, interesting. Okay. You know, I've tasted it before, so I know how good it is. But it sounds so good when you describe it. Drizzling honey over it, which is something that I don't think I've ever heard that before with cornbread. That is so unique. How'd you come up with that? I wanted to do something other than just putting sugar in it, if I was going to put sugar in it. So I decided I was going to add a little, and I didn't just I didn't want to just put sugar in it. So I was thinking about things I could do instead of sugar. And I thought honey, because that's used in a lot of things instead of sugar. And my mom wasn't too sure about it. And just, just let me try it one time and see how it turns out. That's what we did. Have you always cooked? Have you always liked cooking? I have. Pretty much since I was little, I would watch cooking shows. My mom says, I don't remember watching cooking shows when I was really little, but she said I love to. And I do, I love, I love, I've always loved to cook, yes. I made it for my uh, school class Thanksgiving feast and what was your family's reaction to, to not only the cornbread when they ate it and tasted it, but to the competition and everything? Well, when my mom found out I was in the top 10 while I was at school, so she found out before I did, obviously, but she came and picked me up and I had no idea. And she, we were driving and then we stopped and she gave me a card and there was a balloon floating around in the car. And I was like, what in the world is going on? I didn't, I didn't think a thing about it. I had no idea that's what it was going to be. I read the card and it said I had made it in the top 10 of the cornbread competition. I was really excited and I called just about every family member that was available and told them. That is so cool. So I guess um, if there's anybody who hears this and if you have a tip or advice for them in making cornbread or just cooking in general, what would that be? Oh, wow. I have no idea. I will say that um, the judges said they liked the way I tested the batter in the skillet. I put the skillet in the oven with the oil in it to let it heat up. And then I put a little batter out of a spoon into the hot oil in the bottom of the skillet to see if it was ready. The oil was hot enough to put the batter in. And one of the judges was watching me and they said that they liked that. And they also liked the way I chopped the peppers. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story with me. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it's as a huge cornbread fan, I just want to say when you gave me some and I tasted it, it's some of the best cornbread I've ever had, hands down. Thank you. I, I wasn't joking when I said if you would like to make me some, I'm happy to buy it from you. I'll bring the ingredients to your house. You can show me how to make it. It was really, really good. So high five to you and congratulations. Thank you. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. That's a conversation with Olivia Hope Chambers, 12 years old, Tupelo, Mississippi, really Belden, which is Tupelo. We go to church together and top 10 in the country in her age group at the National Cornbread Festival. I had to cook it live in front of the judges. I tasted some and I'm just telling you, phenomenal. So I'm going to read you the recipe and with their permission, I'm going to post it on Twitter too, coming up. I'm Radio Wyatt. 
But I'm going to go fast. I know you're trying to write it down. But it's a cup of white self-rising cornmeal, a cup of yellow self-rising cornmeal, two tablespoons all-purpose flour, half tables, a half teaspoon of baking soda. Sorry about that. Half teaspoon of baking soda. Two tablespoons freeze-dried basil, two mini sweet orange peppers, or about three tablespoons chopped up, two jalapenos, or about six tablespoons seeded and chopped up, four tablespoons red bell pepper chopped, uh, one and two-thirds cup of whole buttermilk. That's one and two-thirds cup of buttermilk. A third cup of vegetable oil, one tablespoon of honey, as she mentioned, and then three tablespoons of vegetable oil for the skillet. That's just for the skillet. It says to preheat that oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Put three tablespoons of vegetable oil in the lodge nine-inch cast iron skillet. Coat sides in the bottom. Put it in there. Let it preheat while it's preheating. Mix the dry ingredients together in a bowl. Add the peppers. Mix it together. Add the wet ingredients after that. Stir it till it's all moistened. Give it time to sit. Let it rest for 10 minutes. When it gets to 400, put it in there, in the skillet, in the oven, 25 to 30 minutes until golden brown. Drizzle a little bit of that honey on there. I'll give you some more details when we come back and start hour two. You hungry? <laughs> Stick around.